there's a passage in the Scriptures where Paul is giving some instructions to the church. And in those instructions, he says a few things that would surprise many of us. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, here's my question, why? (laughs) Why? Why give thanks in all circumstances? Why express praise? Why rejoice always? I'm praying I get, but, but why give thanks in all circumstances? And why go to the trouble of saying that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you? What is the reason for this? Now, I want to just share with you, and I've shared this, I know, at different times, probably in years past. I know I shared it with the men one time on our men's retreat, but I'm going to just share it with all of you again and speak this truth for you today. Why? Well, let's consider 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians says that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We're battling a different kind of an enemy. And the weapons of our warfare are not like the weapons in warfare used when you're battling physical enemies in our day. The weapons of our warfare are weapons that are mighty through God, the Scripture says, to the pulling down of strongholds. To pulling down strongholds. People who are deceived and who are lost and who are in rebellion, who are resisting God, they're all subject to strongholds of thinking or believing that have crippled them and kept them from seeking the face of God. And Paul says our weapons are meant to be able to tear down those strongholds. And so one of those weapons is our testimony. In fact, when Paul talks about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he goes through all of this defensive armor, and then he mentions two offensive pieces of armor. He mentions the, the, the sword of the Spirit and praying with all manner of prayer. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And when we bring the truth of God's Word to people, the testimony of our own lives to people, when we share His Word with people, that Word can be powerful in tearing down strongholds. Prayer can be powerful in tearing down strongholds. And a component of prayer is praise. A component of prayer is praise. What's interesting about this verse, when he talks about the weapons of our warfare, he uses the word stratos in Greek, and that, that word means that these are uh, they're offensive weapons. They are weapons that initiate the conflict. They are what we would call first strike weapons. Prayer and praise, they are a first strike weapon. We're not meant to wait for the enemy to come to us. We are meant to go after his strongholds. 
when Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. How many of you know that gates don't get off their hinges and start running anywhere? Gates are stationary. Gates stay in one place. The church is on the move. The church is storming those gates. When we were praying for our country today, we were storming those gates. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. When we were praying for our brother today, we were storming those gates. We are battling those gates. And those gates will not prevail. It's the party that initiates the conflict. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a whole story of Jehoshaphat and God's people being in a battle for their lives. And at one point, the prophet rises up and says, listen, you need to know that you will not be fighting in this battle. You will, not, you will stand still. You'll see the salvation of your God. And the people all fall on their faces and they're praising God. They're worshiping God. And the next day they get up to go to battle. And Jehoshaphat does something which would be counterproductive in anybody's mind that's a military genius. He takes all of the singers and all those playing instruments and he puts them on the front lines. No weapons in their hands, no shields, no spears, just their choir robes. And if you had an instrument, maybe you could fend something off. And he put them right on the front lines. And he said, you all are going to lead us into battle. You're going to lead us into battle and you're going to be singing and praising and worshiping God. And I'm sure that there are some people in that group that went, are you sure about this? I mean, maybe we could stand off to the side or maybe we could follow up from behind. He says, no, you're, you're going to lead the way into battle. And I'm sure they felt like some of us feel when we're in our battles. Their knees were probably knocking. Their thoughts were probably racing 100 miles an hour. They probably were trying to shove fear down trying to stop fear from getting up in their throat. They're trying to do that. And they're trying to focus and remember their words and play their instruments. And they go marching. And what did they do? They began to lift up praise and worship to God. And what did God do? God sent an ambush against their enemies so that before they even got there, their enemies had turned on one another and destroyed one another. There was confusion amongst the enemy. There was, there was conflict among the enemy. And they were surprised. I guarantee you. They were grateful, but I'm sure they were just a little bit surprised. When they came over the ridge singing, the Lord is faithful, His mercy endures forever. I mean, the closer they got, you know, it was like, the Lord is faithful, His mercy endures forever. And they got over that ridge and looked, and their entire army had been defeated. Praise leads the way. The Bible says that our God, our Lord Jesus, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's significant because Judah means praise. That's the definition of the word. He is the lion of the tribe that praises. He's the lion of the tribe that worships. He is the lion of the tribe that exalts him. If you want the lion to go to battle for you, align yourself with the right tribe. Be someone worshiping and praising and adoring our God. 
Down in Psalm 8, in uh, letter C there, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now, I love that verse. Jesus used that verse, remember? Jesus was on the road going somewhere and people were praising him and little kids were praising him. And he said, tell them to be quiet. Tell them not to do that. Jesus says to them, have you not read? And do you not understand that out of the mouths of nursing babes and infants, you have established praise for yourself? When, when Jesus said those words in Matthew 21, 16, he's quoting it. Now, I think Jesus being the one who is part of the Trinity and therefore responsible for the entire Word of God, I think he knows what it means. I think he's the best uh, critic of his own word. I have the best uh, hermeneutical uh, uh, investigator of his own word. And so when Jesus quotes it, he says, you have ordained praise. But that's not what the, so it says there in the psalm, is it? In Psalm 8, it says, you have ordained strength. You have ordained strength. Here's the question. What is that strength intended for? What is that strength intended for? When you're overrun with worry, when you're overrun with fear or doubt, when you are overrun with prideful thoughts or lustful thoughts, bitter thoughts, angry thoughts, hateful thoughts, whatever it may be, when you're overrun with confusion, Jesus says, in everything, give thanks. All right, what's our question? Why? Here's a reason. Look at what it says again. Psalm 8, 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. Because of your what? Because of your foes. Who's your foe? The Bible says that our foe is the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He have established strength because of your foes to still, to quiet, to subdue, to put down the enemy and the avenger. And so when you are being assaulted with thoughts that are hurtful, painful, negative, limiting, sinful, when you are in that place, what we normally do is focus on those thoughts. We focus on those thoughts and we add to them, don't we? I'm, it's easy for me, but thought can come to my head, you're the worst pastor in the whole world, and I just follow right up. You know, that's right, I am the worst pastor in the whole wide world. You're an awful husband. You're an awful pastor. You're an awful father. You're an awful... I mean, I can, I can have those kinds of... Am I the only one that ever has bad thoughts like that go through their head? You ever have defeating thoughts like that go through your head? And then rather than do what we need to do, we camp there, don't we? We camp there. We are attracted to the negative. All of you can walk out the door this morning and stop and say to me, oh, pastor, that was a really great sermon. That was really helpful. Thanks for preaching that word. That really encouraged me. And one anonymous person could write me a note saying, that was terrible, and I don't know why they allow you to preach in this church, and all I would ever think about is that note. Right? Because we, there's something in us, isn't it? 
We just gravitate. We latch on to what's negative. We latch on to what's self-limiting, self-defeating. We latch on to it. It's part of that sinful nature that we have to look for what's wrong rather than what's right. It's why managers have to be told all the time, you manage best if you try to catch people doing things right and tell them about it rather than always walking around trying to catch them doing something wrong and then tell them about that. That's good parenting advice as well. So, when we have those negative thoughts, when we feel assaulted, when we feel overwhelmed, why should we give thanks in all things? Why should we rejoice always? Why, why should praise be a part of our prayer? Because that very praise stills the mouth of the avenger. It shuts down the argument. It shuts down the assault. It shuts down the assault when we pray. Who's got a... I got that bulletin here. All right. Here we go. Uh, so the sermon notes today... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the sermon notes... Let's see. Oswald Chambers. The prayer of the feeblest saint who lives in the Spirit and keeps right with God is a terror to Satan. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by prayer. No spiritualistic seance can succeed in the presence of a humble praying saint. No wonder Satan tries to keep our minds fussy in active work till we cannot think in prayer. The devil's not terribly frightened of our human efforts and credentials but he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we begin to lift up our hearts to God in prayer. Praise is a vital part of that prayer. Praise that exalts and lifts up Almighty God. Now let me give you one more going forward. In Psalm 2. Now we've talked a lot about Psalm 2, haven't we? We've talked about those wonderful words, this coronation psalm that speaks about the Lord Jesus. And what does he say in that psalm? Jesus is speaking. He says, he says, you said, or God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And of course, we believe that Jesus would have asked the Father for every single nation that ever was and ever will be. Because we know that there will be people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe in the new heavens and the new earth. What Jesus has asked for, Jesus will get. And we are part of that operation of getting what belongs to Jesus. And we have a responsibility, don't we? Because that inheritance, if it belongs to Jesus, belongs to who? To us. It belongs to us. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have a responsibility for the nation that we're in, the community that we're in, the family that we're in, we have a responsibility to take seriously that all of this is part of our inheritance. And we have a responsibility here in this place. In this place where I work, in this place where I play, in this place where I study, in this place where I work out, in this place where I eat, in this place where I, where I hang out, I have a responsibility to recognize that this is part of my inheritance. 
and that I am to take an active part in partnering with my God in praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. When you pray that prayer in all the different ways it can be prayed, you're taking responsibility for your inheritance. Now, in Psalm 149, I love these words. And this is what we call an imprecatory psalm. It's a fancy word that means this is a psalm about kicking people's rear ends, okay? And when you read these psalms historically, they are literally, in fact, about that. When David says, you know, let my enemies be put to the sword and let them fall upon the rocks and break their teeth and let, them, let all these different things happen, all these bad things happen to those who oppose me and those who oppose your kingdom, God, he's talking about real physical enemies. Now, we know that we don't operate in that way today, do we? We're called on to love our enemies. We're called on to bless those who persecute us. We have been called to set our sights on higher enemies, on more potent enemies. And in Psalm 149, as David calls for praise, I want you to watch what he says here. Now, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the godly, let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. So there's a good praise service going on here, isn't there? And then he says this, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. You know, when we lift our hearts and sing and worship together, the Lord takes pleasure in that. He takes pleasure in what we're doing. And then he says this, He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Praise is a 24-hour operation, isn't it? We find times throughout the day, whether at work, at play, going to bed, eating meals, find moments to just offer praise to our God. And he says, let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands. Now he speaks about these military-sounding attacks to execute vengeance on the nations. Wow. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Now let me see if I can just speed us through this and not, not, not miss the point. We don't participate in anything that resembles violence toward earthly kingdoms, etc. Okay? But we do execute violence against spiritual darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness. And so when you read a passage like that, you could read it and go, oh, well, that's just historic, that's just David and he was mad at some people and he wanted to, to uh, take it to them and he wanted God to help them and 
But that was, that was for then, not for now. You could read it that way. But you'd miss out if you did. Because all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and instruction, etc. God gives us those things that happened in the past as examples for how to operate in the present. And so when you read that passage, don't think about earthly kingdoms. Don't think about earthly armies, earthly nations even. Think about what the Bible calls principalities and powers of darkness, the world rulers in heavenly places. There is a hierarchical kingdom of darkness. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking through that. I think you all realize if you read scriptures, it's there. There is a demonic realm that we contend with that is at war with us, that wants to keep God's kingdom from coming, that wants to bring destruction. The devil comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has an agenda. He's active in that agenda. We are to be at war against that, that agenda. Jeff, how, how can we be at war through that? What, what, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to, to say? Well, that's what this message is about. How can we do this? Now think spiritually with me. See with spiritual eyes here. We have two-edged sword in our hand, the high praises of God in our mouth. The best prayer, the best prayer is that praise and that worship that is informed by the Word of God and who God is and what His character is and what His plan is and what His agenda is. That's the best kind of prayer. The best kind of prayer is when you can use God's Word. Now let me just stop here a minute and let me say something that, about a video that's gone pretty viral recently. And I'm just so frustrated by it because I know how it's going to get used. And you might see this, you might pop up. When I opened up Twitter last night, the word Satanism was trending. Hashtag Satan or Satanism. Um, uh, Satan uh, babies, Satan's womb. These were all trending. That means, they were, that means they, were, they were getting retweeted an awful lot, had traction. Where was that coming from? It was coming from a video clip of Paula White. Now, some of you know who Paula White is. Some of you might not know who she is. She is a person who I believe is a, is a, um, a false teacher, a very misguided person. And in this video clip, she is leading a congregation in prayer. And in the course of this praying, she engages with language that is what I would call extra-biblical. By extra-biblical, I mean it's things outside of Scripture. You won't find this terminology in Scripture. And anytime you introduce into praying and prayer and praise things that are not rooted in God's Word, you're always on shaky ground. So in the course of the praying, she says this. She says she prayed that every satanic baby, every satanic pregnancy would be miscarried right now. That every satanic womb would miscarry every satanic baby. Now, here's the problem. You can imagine when that started going viral, how non-believers were reacting to it. The big question was, hey, all you pro-lifers, hey, all you March for Life people, so it's okay to be pro-life till it's a satanic baby. 
How do we know it's a satanic baby? There was an OBGYN that tweeted and said, Hey, Miss White, I would love to know how to pick these out so I'll know. Now, it's likely that this may catch traction and can be and will get reported to the news. Why? Because she is the president's appointee for Faith Matters. Worst appointment ever in that area. So she's publicly known, publicly seen with the president, praying with the president. So you know this kind of thing just goes ballistic in negative media, etc. Now here's the problem. Was she talking about physical babies? Nope. Nope. She was using language that has been developed by people in deliverance and intercessory ministries. And so a satanic womb is that place in the heavenlies where the enemy is conceiving of his plans and operations. You follow me? A satanic pregnancy is when some idea has been conceived and now is waiting to give birth and attack God's people. You follow me? Do you see how that's different? Do you see if that you were in that room and you were listening to her pray and you knew the terminology that she was using and employing, you would have understood that different than the absolutely horrendous notion that she would be praying for any child to be miscarried by virtue of their prayers. But that's not how the world hears it. And that's not how the news media understand it. And even if they do, it sounds crazy. It's just, it's science fiction talk. Why? It's extra-biblical ideas, extra-biblical language. And there are people that you can develop a whole area, a whole arena of that kind of stuff. And your little club and your little groups understand it. But it's dangerous. It's dangerous when you're in a position of power and a position of public authority, a position in which your activity impacts how people understand God's people. It is, it is irresponsible. I, I, I need to stop there. So what I want you to understand is, though, extra-biblical language. So, high praises of God in their mouth, a two-edged sword in their hands. Okay? So, when I'm praying prayers against God's enemy... When I'm praying prayers against satanic influence in our world, I'm going to use language. And I'll use language like this. Lord, I, Lord by, in your name, we bind their kings with fetters of iron. We bind their princes and their powers with fetters of iron, Lord God. We put them in chains in Jesus' name. Now, that'll sound, that'll sound crazy to unbelievers as well. I'm not saying that we can get away from sounding crazy to unbelievers. The fact that we believe that, that, that God raised a man from the dead is pretty crazy to unbelievers. We can't get around that. But we can point to where in God's Word it is. 
And we can say this is what informs us and this is how we pray and why we pray the way that we do. Now whether you use that language or not, here's what I want you to see. And someday I'm going to pay somebody to, to, to do this. And that is, when you are in a situation where, where you, are being, you feel you're being attacked by the enemy or someone you love is being attacked, um, when, you see, when you see demonic stuff in this world, when you, when you rise up and need to pray, when you need to praise, and instead of, instead of camping on the negative, begin to say, nope, nope, I'm going to begin to praise God right now. And so you begin to praise Him. And it's a wonderful thing to just have your psalms. Psalms are such great ways for this. So Lord, I praise You. You are my shepherd, the one that prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God, You are my rock. You are the strong tower that I run into, and I am safe. You are my shelter, my very present help in a time of trouble. You are mighty and holy and perfect and good. Nothing is greater than You. Oh God, the omnipotent one. Oh God, the, 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 the omniscient one. Oh God, the omnipresent one. There is no God like You. All the gods of this earth are but idols. You alone are the living God. Now, here's what I want you to picture. I'm not, I'm not addressing demons. I'm not addressing, you know, powers of darkness, am I? But here's what I want you to see. If you could imagine in your mind's eye with appropriate, wonderful cinematic music in the background, <clears throat> as those words come out of my mouth, I want you to just get in your, get in your mind's eye. Those words are coming out of my mouth, and they're coming into the atmosphere, and they're slowly morphing. This would be great CGI effects. They'd be slowly morphing, and what was words are morphed into links and chains that are going into these places of darkness and binding their kings. Can you see it? Can you see it? Here's, here's what doesn't do that. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I rebuke you. I rebuke you, Satan. Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't, no. Just, you don't need to do that. That's, this is the good thing. You don't need to do that. The high praises of God in our mouths and a two-edged sword in our hand. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist him? Go away, go away, go away. No. You resist Him by praise. You resist, resist Him by worship. You let those words flow out of your mouth, informed by the Word of God, the high praises of God in your mouth, and those things are bringing vengeance upon the enemy. They are binding Him with chains of iron. They're binding His, uh, his activity. And look at this. To execute on them the judgment written. It is finished! Judgment that is written. One day he will be cast into the lake of fire with all of his minions, never to be seen again. We are part of enforcing that judgment. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Now I want all of you to think about that. I want you to think about that especially on Sunday mornings. I want you to think about that when you come in Sunday morning and you're Standing there, kind of half-hearted singing. And then the uh, worship leader says, let's, let's lift up praise. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Let's lift our hands up to the Lord. I'm not a hand lifter. I'm not a hand lifter, hand spreader, hand. I'm just a arm folder, you know. And we and we 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 just kind of get lackadaisical. I, I I've done it. We get lackadaisical. We 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 get apathetic. We we approach praise as if somehow it was maybe a, an optional thing, whereas prayer was not optional. But you see, praise is one of the most important things we do in praying. And every time you come into this room, every time you come into this room, it is your honor to bring praise to God. It is your honor to do so. It is your honor to engage in the battle that happens here every Sunday morning. And so we should engage in it with all of our heart. We should engage in it with all of our mind. We should engage in it with all of our strength. We should engage in it with everything we've got. We should be on the front lines encouraging one another by outdoing one another in showing honor, as the Bible says. <laughs> Let's outdo one another in that honor of praise, of giving Him glory. It is one of the most, if not the most important thing we do here each week. It is our honor to do so. Whether you're in your bedroom late at night fighting back the tears and feeling overwhelmed, it is your honor in that moment to release the high praises of God from your mouth informed by the two-edged sword in your hand and put the enemy to flight. It's your honor when you're praying over your children. It's your honor when you're praying over your country. It's your honor when you stand here on Sunday to give praise and adoration to our God. It matters what we do. And if you don't mind me saying, God's watching what we do. He's watching what we do. And it matters to Him. It matters to Him. That's why there's a direct command. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's be a church of prayer. And let praise be a vital, vital part of that praising. Any amens out there for that? All right.